Hi, I'm Jonathan Pennington, and this is the Human Flourishing Podcast. This podcast is a repository of a wide variety of sermons, lectures, interviews, and other resources that I've recorded over the years. Today's episode is a lecture called Taking Care of Your Time, given at the SBTS All-Student Summit. Well, time. People have been thinking about what time is for, well, a very long time, I guess it is. In fact, just yesterday in Wired Magazine, there was an article about time from the perspective of quantum physics, raising the brain-hurting question of whether time actually even exists apart from human conception. And it's stimulated by people reflecting, physicists reflecting on quantum physics, which is not about time, but about probabilities and how that translates into the physics we actually use. I told you it's brain hurting. Not so scientific, but just as profoundly, we have this great reservoir as a child of the 70s and 80s, the great reservoir of classic rock with all its existential questions like Pink Floyd and their song about time, which very profoundly, not scientifically, but profoundly talks about the fact that when you're a child, all you want is for time to go by quickly. And then there comes a point in adulthood when you realize time is quickly fading away. And as they say, every day the the sun spins around and it's relatively the same age, but you're one day older. Or we think of Salvador Dali's famous uh, clocks and the melting clocks. We don't know what he meant by this, but the, the common artistic reflection on time and it's, and it's disappearing. In fact, our whole lives are marked by time, aren't they? We get paid by the week or by the hour or by the month or by the year. And, and the beginning and end of our lives is marked on our tombstones by time, a birth date and an ending date. Well, for tonight, for the 19 or so minutes that I will be before you, I want us to think practically together about what it means to manage the limited amount of time that God has given each of us. Now, as most of you know, I'm sure, there is a whole world of experts and gurus and pro tips out there on time and time management. If you just Google time management um, or productivity tips, you will find just, of course, pages and pages of sites, each of which have pages and pages of sites within them and links. And it's all very good and very helpful. It's a whole cottage industry. You can go to bookstores and find whole sections, of course, on time management and gurus on all these issues. Now, when Dr. Moeller invited me to be part of this summit and, and I learned of the topic that I was to speak on was time, I was actually at first pretty perplexed by that because I don't consider myself a master of time management. In fact, I mostly feel like of all, I'm mostly aware of all the things I'm not getting done that I want to get done. I have many, many plates that I'm juggling or spinning and occasionally the flame torch and also chainsaw that people throw into my life with six kids and, and a wife and two dogs and a house and many, many responsibilities. So I, I feel very much the press of time. But I do manage to get a lot of things done, but I realize that maybe that is precisely why it would be good for me to speak to you tonight. Because unlike my other esteemed colleagues on the platform tonight who have already or could write a book on their topic, I don't have time to write a book on time management, right? (laughs) But then I realized that I suppose 
this is exactly what I might offer to you. One very flawed, imperfect person who does get some things done, but very flawed and imperfect in my time management. I'm not an expert or a guru or in all these ways, but I might be able to offer to you some thoughts. Because, in fact, that's the first thing I want to give you tonight is to always remember that whenever you read a book by some expert, by definition, that person's not normal, <laughs> right? In the sense that those people, not our colleagues, but those people that you read an expert on, those are by definition not, those are not the norm. Average people could not do what those people do or else we would all be writing those books, right? My point is simply this, that we can learn from experts, but we always need to appropriate those expert tips into our own lives, recognizing that people are different, our circumstances are different, our personalities are different, our skills and gifts are different. So there is that world of time guru experts out there, but I want to offer you, again, just a few thoughts tonight from someone who's not perfect, and I think I'm probably speaking to a lot of people who struggle in a lot of the same ways I do, but one who does get a few things done, and I might be able to help you get a few more things done as well. So what I want to do in my brief time with you is talk about some sort of pro tips that have helped me, that I've gotten from the gurus that have helped me in my own life, and then I want to think very briefly at the end about a Christian perspective on that. First, just some basic aphorisms or adages. We're familiar with these, and these, these short, pithy sayings can be very helpful to us. Things like, the bad news is time flies, the good news is you're the pilot, and some of these are cheesy, meme-worthy, I realize. Or a stitch in time saves nine. Or every day is a bank account and time is our currency. No one is rich, no one is poor. We've got 24 hours each. Those, you know, those are short little adages that can be helpful. Or this great conversation you may remember that happens between uh, Frodo and Gandalf uh, near the end of the Lord of the Rings when, when Frodo says, I wish this need not have happened in my life, all the burdens he has. And, and Gandalf says, so do I and so do all who live to see such times. But that it's not for them to decide all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Those are great. Those are helpful adages, helpful reminders. But getting more practical, I want to give you a few, in fact, seven briefly, pro tips or time management principles that I've tried to utilize that I think might help you as well. The first one, make realistic, realistic daily to-do lists, and then check them off. One of the key things to getting things done as a student or as a worker, and again, I've got a lot of different things going on in my life, is every day take a few minutes at the beginning of each day and write down the things that you want to get done. It will be, it will be revolutionary for you right? You have to be realistic. If you're like you, if you're like me, you might tend to write down way more things than you can get done. And, and inevitably that happens, but you've got to organize your day at the beginning or else you will be aimless. And in fact, it's very satisfying, isn't it too, to check off the boxes. And if you're like me, I mean, there's a, literally a, a dopamine rush that you get. And if you're like me, if you end up doing something that wasn't on your list, then write that on your list so just so you can check it off. That's awesome. That is not weird. I guarantee you, right? <laughs> Now, this might be a little weird. Some, per, some people have actually tattooed a to-do list, and then you could fill it in with a marker. I don't recommend that, but this, that's one thing you could do, especially it might be cool if you added some misspelled Hebrew or Greek words in there. I love that. That is awesome. <laughs> Probably don't need to go to that extreme, but just on a piece of paper, 
begin each day with a realistic thing of what, a list of what you want to get done. Otherwise, you will just be aimless, all right? Related to that then, the second one, always remember what we call the Eisenhower or the Covey Quadrant. This was first made famous by our president, Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was a very early sort of time management guru, but it was made most popular, uh, I think in the 80s probably originally, by uh, this leading time management guy, Stephen Covey, many of you have probably heard of, and his highly habits. This is very helpful, and, and the, really the, the basic principle is this, that everything we do in life can be broken into one of four quadrants, things that are important across these two axes of importance and urgency. You have things that are important and urgent. You have things that are um, not important but still urgent, so text sometimes or just various things yelling at you. You have things in quadrant th uh, two up there that are not urgent but important, and then you have things that are not urgent and not important. Everything in your life falls into one of those quadrants. And the point of this is to just be aware of that and to make sure, and the most dangerous one is quadrant two, I think, for many of us, the one that are things that are actually important to get done but don't have the press of urgency about them, like developing relationships. And I'll give you some other hard to see up there, but certain think, thinking about your life, reflecting, meditating on scripture, there's nothing urgent about those things, yet they are so, so important. So the point of this is just to be aware that everything you're going to spend, that limited amount of time you have, falls into one of these quadrants, and you have to be intentional and self-aware of this fact, and it will make a big difference in your time management. Third point, get also from Stephen Covey, get the big rocks into the jar. Many of you have heard this before, some of you haven't. I realize different ages, some people may have missed this, so I wanted to get this before you because it is so true, and I try to practice this each day. The basic idea is simply that, and it's this odd thing, that you could take the same amount of pebbles and large rocks and sand, and if you put first the rocks in, and then the, then the pebbles, and then pour the sand in, you can get that same amount of mass into a jar. But if instead you first fill up the jar with sand and small pebbles, you will not be able to get the big rocks in. It's kind of a weird thing to think about physically, but it's actually true. Of course, the application, I think, is very clear to us. We have to prioritize each day the most important things. So not only making that list, not only think about those quadrants, but you have to make a priority on the things that are often the more difficult things to do, but are the big rocks. Otherwise, you will never get them done. And so this is just such a, a, an important tip. So that for me, when I start off each day, um, say, for example, I when I want to write, which is something I desire very much to do and I have limited time to do because of all my other responsibilities, I usually have some time on Mondays and Fridays and then on Saturdays I often commend to do some writing as well. Even on those days that I've set aside to put the big rock of writing and writing is in that not urgent but very important category for me. When I set aside time, it's so easy to fritter away on Facebook or on Twitter or on all kinds of others, not just social media, all kinds of other things I might do rather than writing. And yet if I put, and if I start with those smaller things first, next thing you know, I get distracted and somebody comes in and then maybe I get a text, I have to go more earlier than I thought, and then you don't get done with the things you want to. So start each day with the most important things. And then as God gives you time, you may have time to get other things done as well. Number four, 
Know yourself in terms of productive times and places, but don't wait for the perfect time and place and situation to work. It is good to have special times and places. I have separate places where I try to do my writing, different parts of office or different locations. You need to understand, do you like a lot of noise around you? Do you like headphones in? Do you like a quiet place? Do you like 2 a.m.? Do you like noon? Do you like 8 a.m.? What, you need to figure that out about yourself to be productive. That's very important. And at the same time, don't wait for this very perfect situation. Once I've got everything, you know, I've got my mints here, my tea is just made right, I've got the, the song is playing right, and you've got the, if you wait for that to get stuff done, it will never happen, right? Because life isn't that perfect, and life doesn't work out that way. So you have got to step towards the things, the work that you need to do each day, even though you recognize that some places might be more productive. Number five, use the Pomodoro technique. This is the Italian word for tomato. Some of you have maybe seen this. There's an app for this. It's very, very helpful. Uh, it comes, the name of it comes from this Italian, uh, sorry, this uh, tomato timer that this, uh, the man who invented originally Cirillo uh, used when he was in a university setting. The basic idea is this, that it can be very productive to set yourself a timer, especially if you have large tasks to do or multiple tasks to do, to set yourself a timer for optimally around 25 minutes or so and work very, very hard on what you're working on, right? And especially with intellectual endeavors like many of us who are involved in, work very, very hard and then give yourself a break. And then set yourself a timer again and work very, very hard at that thing. It can be the same task, or what I often do is a task shifting has been shown to be very productive for me and other people as well. I might have, in any given Saturday, I might come in and work for five or six hours, and I have sermon prep to do, maybe an essay to work on, maybe something administrative. I have several things, and I will make my list of things to do, and I will set myself a timer of sorts, and I will work on something to be highly productive for a certain amount of time. Don't be distracted. Work on it. Take a break, and then I, depending on the situation, may shift to a different topic where the productivity is fresh, the ideas are fresh, and work on it intensely. That can be very helpful. Again, what we're really talking about is an intentionality that will help very much, okay? Number six, be aware of and eliminate distractions from your working time. Do you know that the average person only nowadays spends six hours of, week, of their week in focused work? That's pretty scary for American productivity. That's what the stats are showing, six hours per week. And a lot of that comes from things that are outside of us, but a lot of it are things that we can control. They're our fault. Did you know the average worker today checks their email 30 times an hour? And you may think, no way, that's not me. Pay attention to it. That's the average, <laughs> 30 times an hour. And with our phones, I have to admit, I'm, I might be guilty of that as well. The optimal time is about four times a day. Now, some of you can't do that in your jobs, but in terms of productivity, because every time you get distracted, it's not only the time of the distraction lost, it's the time to get back up and running again, right? So be aware of and eliminate distractions and the, the social media are obvious ones. Number seven then, read while driving. Now, be careful, legal claim, disclaimer here. I know there are some nerds, including myself and some other people around here that have confessed that they actually have read books at stoplights and things like that. I have as well, I understand that. I would not recommend that exactly, but I have found for many, many, many years, way back in the cassette days when I was a seminary student back in the, in the late 90s when I started doing this, I have 
fed myself with a regular diet, especially of fiction. I'm a big believer in the importance of fiction for the soul, the, the power of story and, and the way God has made most of the Bible story and has given many the gifts of subcreating beautiful stories in the world. I have found that a regular diet of fiction, the main way I intake, intake that have for 20 or 25 years now is through listening. And that is such a powerful way to utilize your driving time podcast and other things you can listen to as well. I'd highly recommend that you be intentional about using your driving time. If you, even if it's 15 minutes, I have a 15 minute drive, but if you do that every day, both directions, you'd be amazed how many books you can get through if you're just intentional about it. All right. Now, those are my seven pro tips. To conclude, I want to get just talk for just a moment about then the heart of the matter. Because you see, we need a Christian understanding of time management. If all that we could say tonight could also be said at L or at the convention center downtown, in other words, if we could have an all-whoever summit and get together and talk about these five topics or related ones, spirituality or marriage or time management, and it not have anything to do with Christianity, then we failed. And I'd like to suggest to you that in each of these topics and money management, we need to think explicitly Christianly about what these topics mean. And I just want to give you one idea, one two-sided idea, as I think about a Christian understanding of time management. And it's the two-sided singular idea I can put on the poles of anxiety and presence. And simply what I mean is this. There are a lot of causes of anxiety in our lives, neurological, psychological, social. We need to be careful about being too confident of attributing what the causes are. But whatever the cause of anxiety, I think what Scripture does teach is that anxiety is like a splitting of the soul. Whether it's an anxiety of thinking about the past and worried and anxious about the past, full of regret and disappointment, or whether it's anxiety in the splitting of the soul, thinking about the future, uh, fear and anxiety about what might be coming. Both of those things are a splitting of our souls and are the opposite of the wholeness that Jesus calls us to. And the other side of that coin is what we can call presence. And what I mean by that is this, that a Christian understanding of time management is more than just tips and pro tips and techniques and adages. It's recognizing that when we choose to be intentionally present now in whatever we're doing, whether it's a task or a person in a relationship, maybe it's a date with your spouse or with your child or hanging out with friends, when we choose intentionally to be present in that task or in that relationship, that is an act of faith in the sovereignty of God that he has orchestrated our lives to this moment and to this place. And I'm afraid, and especially in this day and age of distraction, we fail so often to be fully present in what we're doing. But God is calling us by faith to say, he has orchestrated my time and my day and my relationships in this way, so I'm going to show up in this task that he's given me. I'm going to show up in this person, this other person made in the image of God that is sitting before me face to face, and I'm going to be present. Which means when you are with a task, and especially when you're with other people, creatures made in the image of God, put your phone away and be present with those that God has put into your life. 
That, I think, is the ultimate understanding of what it is to manage our time as Christians, to, to submit to God's sovereignty in everything that he has before us, seeking to be productive and loving people of him. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Human Flourishing Podcast. To learn more or get in touch with me, visit my website, jonathanpennington.com.